The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although their doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may become to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, again, happy Easter to all of you. We still have five more weekends where we can share that greeting with one another. But then again, we talk about how every Sunday is a little mini, sun, a little mini Easter with the promise of the resurrection. It's great to have you all here this morning. In thinking about uh, today's reading that Bernie read just moments ago from the Gospel of John, we could easily focus on Thomas, right? Familiar story to many. We could focus on Thomas and the actual unfortunate and unfair title of doubting that he later received, and how in all honesty that each and every one of us is more like the disciples, more specifically, we're more like Thomas in our own behaviors, our own beliefs, the challenges that we wrestle in between that tension of doubt and belief in our own lives. But I was drawn to a different part from today's reading, specifically given where we have been over these last two plus years. And everything, regardless of how old or how young you are, that we have had to face and have had to deal with. So it's safe to say that the past few years have certainly been filled with all sorts of challenges and all sorts of emotions. Certainly there has been grief, fear, uncertainty, worry, and just this 
elevated level of anxiety in not only our lives, but in the world around us as well. So after reading and hearing today's gospel from John, I believe that the disciples were experiencing those same feelings 2,000 years ago that we have been dealing with ourselves in the here and now. So, quick recap. The disciples are behind a locked door out of fear of the Jews. Now, it's important that we look how they got there, right? So quickly, if you remember, just a couple days before Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden. And it was in the garden then that Jesus was arrested and he was abandoned by all of his disciples, with the exception of John and Peter. But Peter went on to deny knowing Jesus three times in the, car- in the courtyard at the house of Caiaphas. After a kangaroo court was held, the 33-year-old Jesus was sentenced to death, but not before he was brutally tortured. And after he died, Joseph of Arimathea came and claimed the body, wrapped the body in linen cloths, and laid the body in a rock-hewn tomb. And then, on the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other women discover that the tomb is empty, and they are greeted by two men in dazzling clothes who say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And in that moment, Mary and the other women become the first messengers of the resurrection. And they go to tell the disciples, and what was the disciples' response? If you remember, they thought it to be an idle tale. They didn't believe any of the women that came to tell them that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They thought it was complete, utter nonsense. Now we find ourselves this weekend joining the disciples later in the evening behind that locked door. And they are grieving the death of their dear friend and teacher. They are terrified and fearful of that they might be next. And they are certainly uncertain of their future and what is to come. Where do they go from here? Think about it. Everything they have gone through, not only in the three years of following Jesus, but particularly in the last few days, they couldn't help but worry. I'm sure their stress and anxiety level was going through the roof. You know the kind, where you feel like you are choking, and you cannot find that breath, where you can't catch your breath to simply breathe. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but I am going to ask you this. How many of you have experienced that or felt that way 
in the last two years and some change. How many of you have experienced or felt that way just in your own lifetime? Just waiting and wanting desperately to catch your breath. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I know this comes as no surprise to any of you whatsoever. But breathing is essential to life. Right? So when you can't get it, when you can't find it, it is absolutely terrifying. It is downright scary. And I am quite sure that the disciples that evening, behind the locked door, were terrified, were scared. I am sure that they were anxious beyond measure. Can't you picture it? I know some of you can feel it. There behind the locked door, their hearts racing and pounding like a bass drum. Sweat pouring down from their brow like a waterfall. And they're reaching out in desperation to do everything they possibly can do to catch their breath, gasping to simply breathe. And then Jesus enters in. And what does Jesus do? Now, it's important to remember the past few days, right? It's important to remember what the disciples had been up to or what they hadn't been up to. It's important to remember their behaviors along the way. And so Jesus appears, and it would be completely and totally understandable if Jesus was irritated at, be at least and angry beyond all comprehension. But what does Jesus do? He gives them this life-giving breath of peace. And it's just beautiful. Here the disciples are thinking that the resurrection is complete and total nonsense. And Jesus appears, and instead of doing the thing that we might expect him to do, or could do, or should do, he gives them this life-giving breath of peace. He gives them breath that surrounds them in grace and love, and yes, forgiveness. Peace be with you, he says. Peace. It's a pretty important word. That word appears 100 times in the New Testament alone. In, all, in 26 of the 27 books, we find the language of peace. And in this context, this peace is rooted in the Old Testament meaning of shalom. And so... It means this, or it doesn't mean this. That meaning of peace in this context doesn't mean 
the absence of struggle. It doesn't mean the absence of challenges. We know that the disciples would have many more to come, right? And we know in our own lives, too, that they are not free from challenges that we experience in our daily lives. So it is not about the absence of challenge or struggle, but rather about the presence of wholeness, the presence of blessing and love. Love for God, love for neighbor, love for enemies. It's about not returning evil for evil, but rather returning with evil, we respond with good. It's about restoring relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with one another, with individuals and as a whole. To paraphrase St. Francis of Assisi, it's about sowing love rather than hatred. Now think about where the disciples had been and where they are right now behind that locked door. I'm sure their emotions are running high, and all of those that we listed moments ago are present. They need to hear that message, right? That message of peace. And the truth is, 2,000 years later, you and I, we still need to hear that message because it is so true, and it is so desperately needed. So when your life is filled with grief, with despair, with fear, uncertainty. When you feel as if though you've had about enough that your anxiety can take, when those levels feel like they are going through the roof, know this, that you are not alone. That same life-giving breath of peace that Jesus gave the disciples 2,000 years ago, He gives to you and me every single day. Not sometime in the distant future, but right now, today, that life-giving breath of peace comes to you and me. And it happens because God loves you more than you can possibly imagine, so much so that his son went to the cross for you and me, so that the worst thing in this life is never the last thing. That there is life even in the midst of death, that death will never have the last word. That God is present with us wherever we are and wherever we go. So wherever you find yourself today, regardless of how old or how young you are, we have all been through a crazy couple years to be sure. Wherever you find yourself today, I pray that the peace of the risen Christ may be with you always. And that you may receive that life-giving breath of peace and then share it with the rest of the world. That's the good news. Let it be so. Amen.